Hello and welcome to my podcast, How I Teach Golf. My name's Duncan Walger and I hope you enjoy the show. So uh, a few weeks back, I did a, a Trackman seminar presentation, basically on how I teach golf uh, using using Trackman uh, and other forms of technology. Uh, before I got to present uh, down at the lovely Bowwood uh, Golf and Country Club, um, uh, Ben Emerson basically went on beforehand and and basically said what he did and how he used Trackman with regards to his role down there. So I thought it was a, a really good presentation, which uh, led me to reaching out to him and uh, getting him on the show. So, uh, Ben, how are you? Very good. Very good. Thanks, Duncan. Thanks for having me on. No, no problem at all. I really enjoyed your presentation, as I said, at the, uh, at the Trapman Owners uh, uh, Seminar. Um, but I didn't really know much of your backstory because I know we didn't have a lot of time uh, to either chat on the day or when we were presenting as well, um, we didn't go too much into our golfing history. So how did you get into the game? How did you end up at Bowood? Yeah, I mean, it's been, it was quite, it was a good day, wasn't it, actually, at Trackman? Uh, it's always nervous yeah. talking in front of your peers, isn't it, for the first time? Um, but it's, uh, it, was, it was well received, I like to think, from, from both sides. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been a, a, an interesting journey from, from, from start to finish. I actually started the game quite late. Uh, for most, uh, I did. I started having lessons really early on at, at school when I was kind of seven and eight. But I went to join Henley Golf Club, where I went to go and work. Okay. But at the time, there was a seven-year waiting list. Even for this, I mean, this is going back quite a while now. But even then, so it, it sort of stopped stopped that in its tracks. Um, and I didn't actually pick up a club again until I was seventeen. So it was quite a you know a ten-year gap. Yeah, from it. Um, but since then, I've never, never looked back. So I, I left school at, at 16, like a lot of people not really knowing what they wanted to do. Uh, and I actually got a job as a greenkeeper. Uh, so, so I wanted to work on a golf course, but not actually for the golf. I wanted to work outdoors. Yeah. Uh, and to be fair, I didn't even like golfers for the first year. <laughs> work because they, uh, you know, we work really hard on the golf course and they're, they're the ones not repairing their pitch marks and not raking bunkers and, and then I'm doing all the work that I did. And it was actually... It was, what, did you, what did you do between 7 and 17 then? Did you do other sports? Uh, yeah, so I think like most people did did rugby and, uh, and and quite a few other sports. But my, my dad's background was rugby. He's a, he's an RFU official. So he was always okay. sort of forcing me down. Well, I say forcing is probably the strong word. He was quite opposite. But he, he went going down the rugby route, we spent most weekends at the rugby club. So... You know that kind of took over a lot, and then when you get yeah. when you get a bit older and realise that um, you know you, you want you do the opposite of what your parents do, don't you? So, <laughs> and, as, and as he was a terrible golfer, I went down the uh, went down the golfing route. So you started at a greenkeeper. You started as a greenkeeper at Henley or somewhere. Yeah, so a, a place called Aspect Park actually, just outside of Henley. Um, which uh, which was a, a lovely course. It's sadly closed now. It's one of those uh, clubs that's got uh, bought out and is now somebody's lovely garden. Um, okay. But yeah, no, it was it was a great great start to the to the to the job. And and then after when I was about seventeen, uh, one of the uh, one of the lady pros there actually she had a problem with her lawnmower. I'll always remember it. And I, I was quite into mechanics and I fixed it. And for payment, she said, "Oh, I'll give you a golf lesson." So I went, oh, okay. And I, I took her up on the offer uh, and, and loved it ever since. So ne never really looked back um, from, from that kind of time. Um, but it is always funny how you get into, <laughs> get into jobs yeah. and, go, and go down that route. So literally one golf lesson kind of re reignited your, your, your passion for golf. And, but at that point, did you want to play or was it like, I want to teach, I want to do what she was doing? And Yeah, so I think everyone, I like to say, say every golf pro probably at some stage goes down into the playing routes. They would love to become a player. I mean, I, I knew I'd started quite late. So it was kind of, yeah. I was very, you know, I didn't hold back on my, my feelings of, you know, I knew I was behind the times of, of actually playing. But at the same time, I, you know, I still loved playing golf. You know, that's, I think that's why we all get into it. But when I got a bit older, I realised there was a lot of people that were so much better 
golf <laughs> than I was. Um, and especially so you, would have been, you were playing around the Henley area. So who would have been the who would have been the? I'm not sure on your age, but who would have been the really good players around around the area? Because Luke Donald kind of that area as well, wasn't it? Yeah. So so Donald was. Um, so so Mikey O'Connor was good friends with Luke, who I, used to, I worked yeah. with at Henley. Um, Joey Templer was probably the best around with Paul, Paul yeah. Simpson. Um, they used to win pretty much every pro am that that I went to. Uh, and what used to amaze me with Joey, I think he had one year where he won seven programs, but was trying to make it on tour and, and wasn't, you know, wasn't doing that next step. So mm. I, I knew I knew early on that, you know, there's people that are better than me now who aren't making it and not making a living from it. So so I kind of went down a, a, a different different route, still playing for fun, obviously, but, you know, taking the professional side a little bit out of uh, a little bit out of play. Okay, so where did you, so you were still green keeping or did you kind of come off the golf course and into the shop? What was the process? Yeah, so, so what kind of happened? So I knew I wanted to get better as a, as, a, as a golfer. I wanted to get my handicap down. So it was one of these really sad things that turned into something, something quite good. My, my grandmother sadly passed away and she left me uh, a little bit of money um, when she died. And I still remember having the conversation with my dad, you know, so if you will, you know, look after it and invest it and do all the rest of it. And, you know, as a as, as a 19-year-old or 18-year-old kid, I was like, yeah, yeah, of course. So I booked a ticket and went off to Australia for six months. <laughs> Literally just and – I, and I took my golf clubs with me and I travelled around Australia just practising golf. So I thought, well, it's the winter here. I'll, I'll go out there and I'll, I'll, I'll just get better and better and better. And that's what I did. So I, I travelled around. So I was backpacking, but I was a backpacker with my pencil bag and, and my golf clubs. And it was wow, that's a great story. brilliant. It changed everything. And when I was out there, I um, I knew I wanted to learn more about golf. So I uh, I, I went to Merris Woods uh, Golf College in Surrey. Um, where, where did you go there? What years? Would have been two thousand and three, because I remember coming back from the World Cup. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it would have been two thousand and three, and it was actually being at Merris being at Merris Woods. Uh, Mark Nichols was my coach at the time. And yeah. He was very good friends with Mark Howell, who was the head pro at Henley. Uh, mm -hmm. Just after a golf lesson one day, I said to him, "Look, I, you know, I want to, I want to go down the PGA route. Uh, if you know anybody in in the golfing world, you know, I live in Henley, um, who who would be interested in, in taking on an assistant." And he said, "Well, I know Mark at Henley." And I thought, "Oh wow!" So it, it very quickly, two days later, I had an interview with Mark, and he gave me my first first job. That's fantastic, <laughs> and it, it it happened very, very, very quickly. Yeah, and Mark's background at Henley was, you know, he was a very well, you know, well-renowned golf coach in Henley. Yeah. But he also taught business at at the PGA, so he was one of my first business instructors when I went when I went up to um to the Belfry my yeah. first year. Uh, so Mark really got me into uh, the managerial side and, and the coaching side. So I remember helping Mark with his doing his bookkeeping and things like that when when that was a thing. Um, and obviously running the shop. So yeah, I learnt a lot from my time at Henley. Brilliant. So how long do we, how long were you there? Uh, so I, I must have been there for for two, maybe three years doing my training. Mm -hmm. uh, and I actually got a job at a place called Maple Durham, which was just up the road from from Henley. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. And I got the job there actually because the the head pro is a guy called Tim Gilpin, who's a great friend of mine. Uh, and I was only joining the gym, and I joined the gym because uh, I was always really into my fitness. So I joined the gym, and on the form it says, "What do you do for a job?" And I wrote down golf pro. And Tim obviously saw it and went, "Oh, I'm a golf pro as well." And, <laughs> and again, it's one of those things. I was there for a couple of months just using the gym, and I got got to know Tim. Uh, and before I knew it, he'd, he'd offered me uh, a job in the golf ops team there, um, which I, which I snapped up because it was a it was a nice company to work for, the club company. I heard a lot about them, uh, so I was there for for a few years before they promoted me to Castle Royal, which was yeah. a, a club just outside of Henley at Reddingway, um, yeah. and the same same branch as the same under the club company umbrella. Uh, and before before I knew it, they'd promoted me again within uh, Castle Royal to health club manager. So as a 24 year old, it, from not playing golf only not that long ago, 
I was deputy general manager and health club manager at a, at a you know, 20 million pound business, 4,000 yeah. members, uh, Castle Rule. So it, yeah, I know Castle Rule quite well. I haven't, I haven't played the golf course. I've been up there a few times. Um, so I know Rob Watts quite well. So Yeah, so I still yeah. go and see Robbie Watts. Uh, he's still a good friend. Uh, I've always got, I keep going back to him actually. I think it's always good to have your own coach, even as pros. Um, and, and Robbie's a fantastic, uh, fantastic coach. Uh, very, very funny guy. Uh, certainly somebody that's influenced me in my career. Uh, the way he approached his lessons was very unique, I think, was very fun and, uh, and, and to the point at the same time, which was good. Um, so, yeah, nice, <laughs> nice, nice progression, I always think. Yeah, so you're at Castle Royal as Deputy General Manager. And uh, so uh, and, until when? Yeah, so I mean, it it was it was during the the crash, if I remember rightly, two thousand and eight. So I was there for quite a few years um, before moving down to to Devon, uh, where, where I met James actually, who was doing the Trackman seminar. Uh, that's how we became okay. quite good friends. Um, so I worked at a place called Stover Golf Club, a lovely little course down in down in Devon. Uh, very friendly membership, and you know, very members run, very members run club. Um, and we were there for, for quite a few years before uh, my wife and I uh, always wanted to move to somewhere near Bath. Um, so when it, when it was a very wet winter once down in down in Devon, uh, we wanted to we wanted to get out of the the sort of deepest darkest Devon during the winter months. Lovely in the summer, but yeah. not great in the winter. Uh, so I I sent my CV around all the golf clubs in Bath, uh, and one of the first ones that I did was Bowwoods, where I am now. Um, they mm-hmm. weren't advertising for a job, uh, but the, a couple of days later, I got a phone call from the head pro at the time, uh, Paul, uh, and he said, would you like to come up for, a, for an interview? And I thought, well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and before, before I knew it, I was being offered a job and, and, I, and, I, and I took it. What happened a couple of years later is then Paul handed in his notice and, and left. Uh, and he's now working for a, for a holiday uh, golf company called Green Card and traveling around the world, following the sun, playing golf, which is which is obviously very nice. Um, and, yes. and they they promoted me to the to the head pro and, and then the director of golf. So it is funny how things things happen. <laughs> yeah. So how um, how many years you've been now head pro stroke director of golf or the two jobs very separate? Did you did you were the head professional and then the director of golf? Yeah, okay. so I was I was a senior pro before, so I helped looking after the shot um, as, as kind of a deputy to, to Paul, as well as coaching, as you know, obviously at the same time. Um, to then going into to full time management of, of running now the golf department. So I'm very, you know, obviously very fortunate to to look after golf here at Bowood. It's a lovely resort uh, to work at, but it's very unique and very different to the other clubs I've worked at. It's just, it's very different to your sort of standard members clubs, as, as you were, as you probably know. So what, um, how would, um, kind of describe a week for the listeners? How would, how would your role kind of pan out Monday to Monday to Sunday? Cause we don't generally have a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm trying to get a day off now, now that my daughter's got to an age where, you know, she's, she knows who I am a bit more than before. Yeah. It's really hard to try and get a day off during that during the week, but you know it is it is very unique here because we have uh, you know so many golf societies and corporate events that we have uh, throughout the week. Uh, it, it changes it changes every day. So from we've got a a big hotel here that has forty three rooms, um, so you meet different people on a on a daily basis, which is which is lovely. Uh, on top of having a very friendly membership as well, so. I always say it's very hard for the guys who work here in the shop because they they're different people to different people. <laughs> they're always yeah. to, they're always having to change. And one day they're you know they're good friends of the members, and then they're being you know very professional to a to a corporate client. So it does depend on on my job what's what's going on on the week. So we can have on a standard week could have our members playing potentially on on Mondays. Uh, you could have a, a big golf society on a, on a Tuesday, a huge corporate day on a Wednesday, say that take up the whole day um mm-hmm. where we'll be doing clinics and uh have guest speakers along and uh, and doing the track man analysis and, and doing all their scoring um to, to then just you know your members playing in competition so i like to think my job's never it's not boring definitely not 
um, it, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a different step going from, from coaching pretty much full time to, to a managerial role. Uh, you tend to upset a few people as a, as a manager, um, yeah. not, not, not intentionally. Um, but, but, you know, if you've got a lot of people to, to please, it's almost an impossible task sometimes. Um, so when you make decisions, you kind of accept the fact that, you know, some people aren't going to like it and they're probably the loudest people in the club normally. Um, yes. But, but we don't ever do anything to, you know, to upset people. You know, obviously we were doing it for the for the bigger picture and the wider the wider membership. Um, but it's that it's that stepping stone of, you know, I, I still love coaching. I, I'm very fortunate to still be able to coach as much as I do. Um, but people like people like a golf pro. They don't tend to like a manager as a, <laughs> as much. I don't want to them um, from a suit. Yeah, well, it's it's a, it's a funny one, isn't it? I still remember it wasn't that long ago. I had had quite a bad complaint from somebody because I, I changed some uh, the way we were doing tea times here, uh, and, and I like to think we were you know doing it for the right reason. Um, and I got quite a bad email from it, but then a few months later, he booked a lesson with me. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so <laughs> there is almost this split personality, almost of golf pro and and manager, and it's it's finding the the happy medium sometimes, which is the hard thing. So, how much opportunity do you now have to coach? How many hours a week would you be available for golf lessons? Uh, well, I'm I'm still quite fortunate that we do. You know, I, I'm still in control of my own diary. Um, Mm -hmm. we're very lucky here that we've got five pros uh, that teach that teach here so I, I can I can afford to be a little bit more selective with with my coaching and certainly the times that I coach I think that the days of me being here at seven o'clock in the morning coaching until 10 o'clock at night are um, you know are not something that's with a family life is is not is not something we can all do um, but I still enjoy it. So I, I still, I still enjoy it. I, I, like I said in my seminar, I stopped doing half an hour lessons to, yeah. to focus more on giving people more time, and and at the same time, you know, using my time a bit wisely as well um, to making sure that you know if somebody's just coming along for their their first ever lesson here, I'm probably not the coach that they would they would go to. You know, there are other coaches here that can that can do. That. Uh, some of the elite players that you know I'm lucky enough to work with and, and very good amateurs you know come to me for a very different reason um, some of the technology that we use and and the training that we've kind of done uh, you know might not be beneficial for a beginner um, but would be would be very beneficial for the sort of uh, you know single figure golfer so what would happen um, what would happen if someone's booking a first session with you um, Let's say it's a non-member first of all. So a non-member books in, because I think I'm right in saying your first session, the assessment session is two hours long. Is it is, correct? yeah. So if somebody, somebody with us, uh, we do what we call a full assessment, uh, our advanced package. And it is, it's two, it's two hours. And it, and it includes a, a player profile. So each, each player would get a profile sent to them. Uh, so when they book online, it's automatically sent to them. Uh, it's it's a, it's three pages, but it's kind of you know they can they can pick and choose what they what they want to fill out. Um, but it's very simple, you know. We just I, I want to know as much information from from the client from from the word go, but also I want the the client when they're coming to me to know why they're coming to me. You know, I want them to mm -hmm. start thinking about their game in a lot more depth. You know, not just coming for a quick fix lesson. You know, we're obviously I want people on a on a program and we you know, working for them for quite some time. So I simply want, just want to know their story. So what their goals are, what drives them, um, but then more importantly, what can derail them as well. You know, I think it's, yeah. it's, it's an important factor. But I'm also a big believer of, you know, we do a movement assessment here, which is one of the TPI screens, uh, which was, you know, is a really good thing for, for golfers to do um, because I want to know what the body can do to start with. You know, if you can't physically do something, you know, there's no point me trying to teach you it or trying to get yeah. you into a position, you know, and I think that's where a lot of, um, I think back to my early days of coaching, I was trying to get people to do things they couldn't do. And then, you know, really surprised when they come back to me and go, do you know what, it's not, it's not working or, or I can't, can't do it. But then we get them on the 3D system as well. I know you're a big, you've got a KVS and gear system. Uh, we yeah. use KVS system here. 
Uh, so we get the 3D motion capture and we also obviously get them on video analysis and, and track man to get their, their ball data and club data as well. So it's a very advanced uh, assessment, but it's one that gives us a lot of information of, of what that golf, where they currently are and what they need to do, you know, to, to move forward. Uh, we, we find it works, works, works very well. And, and some of the other pros here use the player profile as well, just so they've got a bit more information of, of the player. Uh, and it just, I, I think it gets them on the same journey as what they're, you know, gets them prepared for the journey that they're going to be on. I'm not a big believer in quick 30 minute lessons, uh, as you probably found out <laughs> during, my, during my seminar. Um, I think there is a place for that. Definitely don't get me wrong, but you know, when, when my time is limited and, you know, I, and I want to make sure they get the most out of both the clients and, and my time as well. So. So is that, that assessment and um, the screening uh, all done indoors or where's the, is it an indoor outdoor facility? Yes. What, what have it's, you got it's up there? Right? So we've got, a, we've got a coaching, we have a coaching room here on the driving range, which is a, an indoor facility. Um, so we have a 10 bay covered driving range anyway. So um, all the lessons tend to be done on there. There is a grass area as well and an academy course. Um, so we can kind of pick and choose. Uh, and we've also got a gym here as well. So depending on the weather, uh, we can go into the gym to do the to do the screening. Um, but we luckily it's very close together. So so walking from one uh, one room to another is is not too bad. What what we try and do very well here, or I'd like to think we do very well here, is we have we also have quite a good team around us of not only other golf coaches but fitness professionals as well. So if somebody comes to me for a, for a screen and they, you know, they're, they're struggling with a certain, a certain move, I can give that screen to the guys in a gym and say, look, this, this is what this player is doing. Uh, we need to help this. We can, you know, I need you guys to, to work with me and, you know, in making this player better, not just on the driving range, but in the gym, giving them some exercises at home. Um, so then hopefully ticking every single box and, you know, and, and making them better that way. Fantastic. And then what about on-course lessons as well? Do you, in the assessment, is, do you watch them play a few holes or is that a bit further down the line? What's the... So that, that tends to be the next step, definitely. Um, as you know, and you've, you've probably heard from a lot of coaches, you know, being on the driving range is one thing, but what happens on a golf course is completely different um, just to a lot of people. So we have quite a good stat sheet that we use uh, that we get people to fill out as well of their, of their rounds. Uh, a, a great example, one of the players that I was playing with on his stat sheet was, was missing everything uh, missing everything left on the golf course. When he comes to the driving range, everything's missing right. So, you know, what do you work on? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if one's going one way, there's, you know, and, and as you know, it's very difficult to change somebody's swing, swing pattern. So it, it's not just a case of being very good on a driving range. It's, it's you know, producing it under pressure and, you know, and doing it on the golf course. I was very fortunate to work when I was trying to, to play more with Carl Morris. Um, yeah. So I saw him for for a couple of years, actually. He was he was one of my coaches uh, before I went down his Mind Factor and, and then Future went on to doing the Master Mind Factor courses. Uh, and he was brilliant. He, he really was. He changed everything that's not just for me as a, as a player, but as a, a coach as well. He made me sort of look at different areas um, and not just sort of see a golf swing, actually. How does that golf swing produce on, you know, what does it do when it's on the golf course? It's, it's just as important. So what happened with the guy who was missing right on the driving range but left on the golf course? What was, what was, what was, what was, what was the guy that was, what was it, left on the golf course, according <laughs> yeah, to his man. stats, and right on the, uh, right on the, uh, right on the driving range? How did, how did you fix him? Well, and I think that's, that's a really interesting thing that a lot of golfers don't do is they don't keep detailed stats of their rounds. I think they, they kind of they chat about their round to their friends afterwards. But I don't think many people take the time, and especially nowadays, there's so many good apps out there. I mean, I still use the, the pen and paper because I, I enjoy writing the actual process out. Yeah. Um, but actually, to figure out why. So some, on, on our stat sheets, it's, it's got, you know, whereabouts on the fairway did you hit? Whereabouts on the greens did you hit? So you, you're trying to look for kind of patterns of what, of what a golfer does when they're actually playing golf. And it can be, like I said, completely different from what they're doing on a driving range. So, you know, if you want to make that player better, you, you know, you're going to need to do it on the golf course. But like you say, with the guy who was aiming, aiming right, it was actually probably a good shot. But just, <laughs> it's, yeah. just, you know, it's just aiming. Right out the middle of the club. 
yeah, it just seemed wrong. You know, one of the things I love doing on a golf course when I do a playing lesson is not so much film the players' swings, but actually film their, you know, how they approach from taking the moment, they, their whole pre-shot routine from taking a club out of the bag to how they finish to how they're walking down the fairway sometimes is it tells you a bigger story of what's what's going on. And depending on how I know the player, uh, so if it's somebody that's that's playing, I, I can obviously talk to the caddy and find out that way. But if it's playing with your playing partners, you know, I, I've said it to a few people. I said, do you mind just watching uh, such and such today? Just, you know, let me know how he how reacts on a few shots and, you know, almost have inside information of, you know, for when I'm when I'm not there. But but the interesting thing with the guy who was who was hitting it different ways, we when we took Trackman onto the golf course, because, you know, it, it's so portable, we took it out on there and and did his speeds alone changed dramatically. He was a lot slower on the golf course than he was on the driving range. On the driving range, he's a lot freer, um, hitting it harder, you know, putting, you know, it was almost a different speed of swing on the golf course. So then on the golf course, being a little nervous, you know, holding back a little bit and trying to get a bit mm -hmm. more steery um, with his, with his, with the club and with his hands. He was just, he was playing two different rounds. So what used yeah. to frustrate this particular player was then he would then go onto the, onto the driving range, start hitting it well again. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, where do you start with, with that? So you kind of sometimes have to go a little bit deeper and, and figure out, you know, what are they doing when they're not with you? What yeah. are they doing on the golf course? Um, to then how are they then practicing that? Because obviously the worst person, worst place for this person to practice is then back on the driving range. You know that would be that would be the worst place for him to him to be. So then, for that particular player, then we go out and we do some six hole or nine hole playing lessons. Um, I actually got this particular player to start filming. His friends were filming him as well, and he started getting into YouTube and all those uh, all those yeah. sort of things off the back of it. But I think it's it's important not just to be on a driving range the whole time. I think it's easy for pros sometimes to get caught up in the you know, who's in front of me now, who's on the driving range, who have I got next sort of thing. Well, actually, it's the, it's the bigger picture from, from a client's perspective. Yeah, it's looking after the wants and needs of the player rather than, you know, I'm here, so you just come to me, I suppose. Yeah, which which I sadly I think does happen a lot, and I probably was very guilty of that, you know, not that long ago um, before I wanted to learn more and started doing a lot of golf courses um, you know, educational courses. So I think that's when things really started to change. Uh, I think a lot of assistant pros now are, are doing their PGA and thinking that's it, I'm done. But actually, yes, the PGA is fantastic and it is a, it's a good, uh, you know, a good training program. But I would say I've probably learned a lot more since leaving the PGA than in obviously what I did when I was there. Yeah, I think most, I think a lot of the people that I've definitely had on the podcast are the, the you know, they went and got their PJ qualification, whether it was the foundation degree at Birmingham University or uh, the old school <laughs> one that, that I did. Um, a lot of, a lot of the people age. that I've... What's that? You're showing your age. Yeah, no, I can't believe that. I qualified, I qualified 20 years ago this year. It's, um, I, can still, I, can still remember I can still remember qualifying and thinking, now I'm thinking 20 years ago. And then, but literally after that moment... I think I was pretty much encouraged by Lawrence to go out and, you know, and learn and educate myself. Go and learn from the best coaches in your area or nationally or internationally, if you can, um, whether it be reading books. Uh, now we can go online because a lot, a lot of really good coaches are putting a lot of really good content online. Um, some of it you have to pay for. And uh, Martin Hall, who was on the podcast, said, you know, there's there's some really top end instructors that for not much of a fee per month, you can gain access into a lot of their real good information. And that may help you with one or two clients. And if that is the case, that's hopefully paying for the subscription per month because you're getting better. Hopefully then you're you're getting busier. So it, it's a humble week. It kind of tumbles from there. It's kind of snowballs from there, which would be good. Absolutely. And I think a lot of pros, it's definitely changing with the way the technology has changed um, as well. But, you know, from a business side, you know, we are business people at the same time. Uh, one of the things that obviously I was talking to you about in the, in the track 
Trackman seminar was the business and marketing side of things. But there are there are very few uh, businesses that don't invest in their in their products, you know, every single year. Whether that's training their staff um, to to investing in new pieces of equipment, you know, and it's the same thing for pros as well because other people are, and if your competitors are are getting better in their knowledge and then their technology as well. Um, you know, you soon start finding your clients going, you know, going elsewhere. Um, but I, I think my my educational side came from I actually wanted to try and fix myself <laughs> yeah. more than more than anything. I remember having some a few problems with, with my golf swing and going, right, well, how do I fix that? Because you know, I, I want to get better and I want to learn more. And I think that's it is quite a nice way of, of of trying to better yourself, not only as a coach, but then. You know, looking at your own swing and for your own sort of development as well, it kind of ties in. Yeah, I think I, I think as I said in the in the seminar was, you know, one of the things that frustrated me the most was when I was coaching was I wasn't that frustrated about the sixty percent that were getting better in the in the lessons. The ones that the 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 thirty percent of those that didn't really improve, but we had a good session. You know, we had a good time and they're feeling good about themselves when they, they went away kind of rebooked. It was the 10% that I felt as though they hadn't got better in the, in the lesson. Yeah. And they were the, ones, they were the ones that drove me to read another book, go to another seminar, go over to the States to the teaching and coaching summits and seek out the advice and the, the lessons that the best coaches in the world have, have learned and been very, very 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 nice in passing them on to me and uh hopefully that i can bring those back i mean i'm going out to orlando at the end of january to the orlando show again going to the teaching and coaching summit before i'll be going to seminars on my whistle stop five-day tour of of orlando um so i can come back next year at the early part of next year and try and implement that to to help my students get better quicker getting the results better and quicker so absolutely i think it's important you know it's it's important to keep developing yourself i'm always looking for the next bit of kit to, to buy the next course to next course to do um, yeah but the thing is it wasn't that long ago that you know even cameras w weren't a thing you know this it kind of changed everything didn't it um when when people started using a, a video camera to look at your swing now you know all the kids on our driving range have got ipads filming themselves yeah, you know, they are, there's an opened up to a, a completely different world of technology, um, but but I don't think people are getting better <laughs> from it. No, I, think I think they're almost they can fall into the trap of tying themselves up into more knots. Yeah, abs absolutely, and I think that's still where where our job as coaches come from is, you know, I, I think back of horror when to some of my early coaching days where you know all I wanted to do was let the person in front of me know how clever I was. You know, <laughs> let, them, let them know that I knew a lot. You know, it didn't. And it's sad. You know, I like to think I've learned a lot from it. But at the time, it, it wasn't so much what the player needed. It was just giving them so much information. And, and now, you know, I think that a good coach nowadays can has got the information there, but they're very selective of what they tell the player. And actually, the rapport that they've got with them it, is vital in, in knowing what information is going to is going to help them or what's going to you know completely derail that that player um because it is there is just so much information as you know out there uh, if i started talking about kinematic sequence graphs uh, to, to some <laughs> players I've, you know you've lost them straight away haven't you but but there's some players actually want to look at it now you know there's a couple yeah. of players that are, are intrigued by it they've done their research on it and you know they want to see you know how much their pelvis is moving in their golf swing because we've we've spoken about it in a, in a different in a different way and um, and try to use technology to help her, help the lesson, not try and not baffle them with just more more info. And would you say people have seeked you out, Ben, because you have obviously you've got a wonderful and you're very well respected because you've you've bettered yourself and you've gone out and educated yourself. But do people seek you out because you've got TrackMan and KVest and and some other pieces of tech or? or or yeah. do they kind of get a nice surprise when they get there, as it were? Um, probably a bit, a bit of both. A bit of both. You know, TrackMan, when I, when I first got one, wasn't, you know, there weren't many people that had them. You know, now most golf pros, you know, they come as standard, don't they? Most golf pros have got some form of, of launch, launch monitors. Mm -hmm. uh, 
the 3D system is a little different because I, I strongly think you need to do the educational side to, to get the most out of it. Because, like I said, you could baffle and probably do more harm with it than, than, than good. Um, yeah. I, I think, yes, definitely being at this facility helps. Um, you know, the, the stuff that I, you know, I'm lucky to do with today's golfer definitely helps as well. Um, so it's kind of a big collection, I think, of, of all sorts of things. Um, there is, I still think it's such an honour to do the job that I do. Um, and when somebody is driven to, to quite some distance to have a lesson with me, I always ask them firstly why. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of a, it's a funny sort of question to ask, but, you know, why did you come to come here? Uh, before, obviously, we get into what you, you do. And they said, oh, well, you know, I read your article and I was intrigued to, to find out more and, you know, and, and here we are. I think a lot of golf pros are very, have been insecure in the past and, you know, hide behind the fact that they are at a golf club and just, just look after their members. But actually I coach a lot of people that are members of other clubs, you know, that yes. travel quite, quite some distances for a lesson. And it, it's, it is an honor and a privilege to do that. Um, and something I, I don't take for granted or, or try my best never to take for granted. That's right. I mean, the, what, I, what I gathered from you during your, during, during your presentation was that we definitely share the belief that we want to make it their best hour of the week. If we can do that, then it's, you know, we're, we're, we're providing a great service. Oh, absolutely. And they need to go away, you know, absolutely buzzing, you know, wanting to, wanting to practice, wanting to play, you know, wanting to put in the time. You know, I think if they haven't gone away buzzing, you, you've not done your job great, you know. And I, I like to think they always, that they should always see some form of improvement during a lesson. Um, you know, regardless of what it is, I think there should be something of, okay, I can, I can see the benefits of that. Um, because, you know, you are, you've got to sell the idea of what you're telling them that is correct and they've got to go away believing it. Because if, if they don't, you know, one, you're never going to see them again. Um, but two, you're not going to make that that person any better no very good so i know you're busy because obviously i've just heard the phone as well so, That's all right. Right. <laughs> so what's what's ben gonna what's ben doing for 2019 what what have you got coming up what how are you gonna what's what are you looking into at the moment yeah so i mean i'm looking at like i spoke to you actually a few weeks a few weeks ago about buying a body track um i'm always fascinated with uh with with that sort of force plate technology um, I think it's going to tie in very well with with TrackMan and and KVest to see how things how energy starts and and then what it does throughout the body. Um, we are the academy here is is growing, uh, so we're just we're putting in a new studio here at Bowood, which I'm looking forward to to being part of and throwing some design designs you know their their way. Um, they might not like it, but put input to it. Um, so yeah, they're looking forward to next year. Looking forward. Fantastic. And will that incorporate some putting, or do you already do that there? Uh, we don't do indoors at the moment, but you know it's something that we might do. Uh, we have we have a lovely putting green here, but of course you know it's it's, it's outdoors, so it doesn't doesn't help. Um, sadly, putting lessons is not something that that I specialise in. One of the other coaches mm -hmm. here does, does it very a lot better than I do. Um, so I try and you know we always try and stick to what you're good at. Um, and when there's people better than you, it's I have, I'm not insecure enough not to send them to somebody else for a, for a certain lesson. Uh, yeah. The same thing with custom fitting. People don't come to me for a custom fit. I, I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I've, never, <laughs> I've never been good at it. And, and it is a science now. And a lot of people, you know, with, with the custom fit guys we have here are just so much better at it than I am. Uh, and, yeah. and I think it's quite nice to when you're talking to a client, say, look, that that's not my level of expertise, but... But Greg here is wonderful, and I think you should go and you should go and see him. You know, it's kind it, of it, that. It, again, it, it's it's more of a player-centered approach. You can't be all things to all, you know, to all people. So if you've got an expert or someone who specialises in that field who happens to be at your facility or just around the corner, then that's fantastic. Because again, you're just looking at. I feel as though you're just looking after the client even better. You're looking after the player even better to say. If you want the best custom fit, go see this guy. If you want the best um, putting, then you can go and see this guy. I think I, I just think that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, we had Ollie Lee. I heard so I, I listened to yeah. Ollie's. Um, he did. He's, he's quite close to us. He's been down to us a few times uh, doing his his clinics here. Um, I, I never have any issues with with other pros coming and doing 
doing topics like that because I think it benefits the membership here. Um, but it also then lets other members know that there are other information out there to get to get better. Um, yeah. Ollie did a job. I loved his podcast. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, and he's, yeah. a, he's a really nice guy. Really nice guy with it. That's perfect. It's perfect. So um, I want to I want to go back all the way back to Australia if I can. So when you <laughs> toured around Australia, can you tell me what you thought your best? What was your top three golf courses that you played? I'm fascinated by going down to play Australia. I'm a I'm a very amateur, um, but very passionate and enjoy all golf course architecture. And I love watching you know the, the golf from Australia or in Asia. And I just so I just want to get your take on that, if I may. Yeah, I mean, number one was the the lakes. Um, uh, unbelievable course just outside of Sydney. Um, probably. It's got to be up there with my one of my favourite courses. That that and Yas Island in, in Abu Dhabi, I think, are the two best courses that I've ever played. Um, New South Wales, again, is is a fantastic course. Um, one of the best par threes. I want to say it's like the sixth or the eighth. Uh, you're pretty much out on, on the water, hitting back in. Uh, and the twice, the, the two times I actually played it, I think I hit a wedge one time and then a two iron back when the two iron was a thing. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the second time. So two very... Um, uh, but the other one that got me was... It was a place called... I believe it was Moore Park. It's going back quite a few years, but it was a... Yeah. Um, it was a public course. And I mean, it was one of the first courses that I played. And I just couldn't believe how good it was. I was thinking, hey, yeah. this, is, this is not even a private members club. And this is unbelievable. Um, but they, you know, they have the amazing weather with it. Uh, they have everything else. It makes you very nervous when you go into the rough. With all, I'm pretty sure Australia's got everything that can animal that can kill you is pretty much there. Um, <laughs> there's a few times where you fit a ball in the rough and you think, right, I'll leave that one. I'll get, <laughs> I'll get another. But also the the crows and the birds would, would pick up the your golf ball off the fairway. That, that that was fascinating, and they because they think they're their eggs, and, and used to then fly off. I just think that because all the pros have obviously found their nest and have are making quite some good money from these crows. <laughs> it. Um, but it's a good it was a good reason to say you've hit it a bit further <laughs> as you're walking down the fairway. Oh, I'm pretty sure it was good. Than that. Um, but, but the lakes, I would I would make that as a, a number one place to to play. Um, you know, it's going back a long time since I was out there. Um, the exchange rate is completely different to when I was there. It was something like three to one, something very silly when I was there. Um, so pretty much live like a king for the <laughs> for the whole time. Um, but I'll get that on your list definitely. Fantastic. So if you if you could have a fantasy four ball, so you can play with anyone, um, dead or alive, as it were, uh, and anywhere in the world, who 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 would you play with, and where would it be? Actually, it'd have to be Ben Hogan, of course. I think um, he's one of those ones that you just, and sadly, you can't go back in time, but it'd be nice to play with him. Tiger, I like to say I'm a big Tiger fan, or always have been, whether you like him or not. I think he's changed the game completely. Um, I love to go back in time to sort of the 2000s when, when he was at his, you know, at his peak, but even today, I'd still love to play with him. Uh, and yeah. probably Seve. I'd have to say Seve. Um, uh, and I'll probably pick Kings Barnes actually as the course to play. I'd love to see Sebi play Kings Barnes and, and and get it around, get it around a proper links a links course. I was I was very who, fortunate who, who, to, to meet. Sorry, I was going to say I was very fortunate to meet Sebi uh, Henley Golf Club. Not that uh, literally. I think probably the year, first year I was there, um, his sons were doing were members uh, at a school locally. And Seve's sons, and they, uh, the headmaster was retiring, and the school paid for Seve to come over and play golf around Henley with the headmaster. <laughs> and, I, and I know, just you wouldn't, you couldn't really believe it. But and I remember I was the guy that took the phone call to say that he was coming to play, and the lady on the phone didn't tell me it was Seve. She said, she said, I've got a pro. He wants to come over and, and play. And me being very naive, I said, oh, has he still got his uh, PGA card? Just, you know, he needs to show, he needs to show <laughs> I'll get him on for a round. And she, she said, oh, I don't think he's got it anymore. You know, I think, so I'll have to go and check. Um, and I said, oh, well, can I just take his name? And she said, oh, it's Sevi Ballesteros. I went, 
okay, we'll, we'll stop there. Yes, he can play. Absolutely. And I went in to go and see the secretary and I said, look, I've reserved a tea time. It's, a, it's quite a famous golf pro. Um, and he, was, he wasn't very arrogant. He kind of went, yeah, no, fine, fine, fine. He said, oh, what was his name? And I said, oh, Sebi Ballesteros. Anyway, he chased me out of the office <laughs> to try and find. And I'll be honest, I thought it was a, I thought it was a prank. I thought at yeah. the time, I, I thought it was a local club just having a, having a bit of a wind-up. Um, but it wasn't. Seve just then one day, you know, <laughs> walked through the door um, and with this, the aura that he had, had with him. And I tried very hard to play it cool. I don't think I did. <laughs> I don't think I did. Yeah. Sort of frozen the moment. Went, oh, hi, Seve. How are we? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But he shot, yeah, he shot a couple over. Like it was a, a snowy day, it was icy, but he was amazing to watch. Uh, absolutely fantastic to watch, and what a complete showman! So he, he's definitely in my. And you followed him round for the for the entire round, did you? Yeah, the, he, a few members walked around with him. Uh, I mean, it was quite, it was kept quite secret. Um, but on the day, you know, people were coming down from all over to to to, to watch him play. Um, but he didn't miss a fairway. That was the thing that got me. He was, he was struggling with his back at the time, so he wasn't putting much effort into it. Um, but he, mm. he just hit it straight down the middle. And everyone was sort of going, hang on, this is not why we've come to watch. This is not why yeah. we've come to watch. We want to see some amazing short game shots and, and all the rest of it. But, you yeah, know, a, a true gentleman and, and an absolute honour to watch and to meet. Oh, that's fantastic. So, would you play with him at King's Barnes against Hogan and uh, Tiger? I think I'd have to, yeah. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd have to. It'd be, that'd be a good a good partnership. Um, especially, depending on what format we're playing. Um, I don't know how yeah. more I'd bring to the table. Um, but just to watch them play, hopefully I can get a few good shots in there as well. But King's Barnes is, is one of my top courses in you know, in the UK to, to play. It's, it's, it's a pricey course to play. Um, we, I only played there a few a few weeks back for the first time. Um, and it, I'd recommend anyone that hasn't played it to play it, but to take a caddy because it's there's some shots that you just think, well, hang on, I'm, <laughs> I thought that was good. And you're, yeah. you know, you're, you've lost the ball sort of thing. Um, so it's wow. definitely worth it. Fantastic, Ben. I've taken up. I've taken up plenty of your time. If there's um, if there's anyone you you kind of want to thank for helping you on your way uh, to where you are today, please take the next uh, minute or two minutes or a few minutes just to just to, to mention those people that have, that have helped you get to where you are today. And then um, and then if you want, you can uh, put in their question of the day. As guest as guest of the day, you get to ask the listeners a question that you think might get them thinking about either their game or um, something they're doing on the golf course or whatever you want to do. So the, the airways is kind of yours. Uh, nice. Well, I have to obviously, um, I've mentioned them, but, but Robbie Watson and Carl Morris, uh, definitely the two, two biggest influences in my, in my kind of golfing, golfing career, as, as well as, as my parents for, for not forcing me down the, the rugby route, which they probably very, very easily could. Um, so, so they would have to obviously be the, the ones that thank. And the same with my brother. My brother's a golf pro as well. Uh, he, he watched me as a kid uh, play, and I love still playing with, with or against Jack. Um, he's he, he beats me more than more than I beat him. Um, okay. But he's, uh, he's he's never beaten me in a competition, which is good. And now that I don't play in many comps, I don't think he's ever going to. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll hold him up on that one every time I see him. <laughs> But yeah, no, and Jack's, you know, Jack works for the for the European Tour now, based at Wentworth. Um, so he's a, he's still very heavily into the game, um, and, a, and a good player as well, which is which is nice. I think my question is so it's to the uh, so not to you to the to the audience. Mm. I guess I would ask if you know is what you're doing making you any better? I think is a question I, I ask a lot of a lot of my students. You know, if are you doing something that's making you better as as a golfer? And if you are, brill, keep doing it. You know, that, that's always something I'm very. I don't think enough people come for lessons when they're playing well. Personally, I think they only yeah. come to us when we've got a problem, uh, which is which is obviously a, a shame to do because I, I like to know what they do when they do it well. You know, I mm. think it's an it's an important factor to do. But you know, what are you doing at the moment to to make you better? And if you're not if you're not getting better, you know, there are, there are plenty of golf professionals out there that can help. 
you know so don't so don't think that just if you've been an 18 handicapper for the last 10 years that you're kind of stuck on that in that rut that you know there are a lot of people out there that can make you better um but if you are playing well go and have a lesson i can't i can't stress that enough to to golfers because i think obviously it's important to look at your faults but you know i want to know what you do when you're doing it well so you know if you then come to me and you're playing badly one we've got a comparison um to see if anything's changed but it, it gives us that benchmark of you know what what to look for but don't just you know it's very rare somebody comes to me and go oh ben i'm playing really well at the moment can i have a lesson <laughs> that doesn't yeah. that doesn't happen as much as it, i think it should yeah. no it's great always to get some played a fantastic round you can capture their numbers so you can say look this is where we are now and then when you see them in a couple of months time if they're really struggling you can say look at the differences here and here and it makes the learning or relearning or getting them back to where they were that process i think it's a lot quicker absolutely absolutely yeah great great question great question ben how can people get hold of you so all your social media handles if you don't mind yeah so it's literally just very simple ben emerson golf uh not very original in that in that site um but ben if you type in ben emerson golf to, to pretty much any social media platforms uh i'll pop up as as, so as the website um but the same thing as, as bowwoods uh with bowwood in wiltshire we get confused a lot with bowwood down in cornwall um, when people book um but i i you know i'd love to, for listeners and to other pros to come and see what we've got here at bowwood because i think it's a wonderful facility uh the golf course although challenging is is you know is, is stunning and, and worth a and, and worth putting on your list of courses to play yeah i definitely echo that i i played in the i think it was the east anglia uh, the east east region event i can't remember what it was down there it was but it was very testing. West of England, sorry, West of England yes. Championship or something. Years and years ago, it was so hard. <laughs> was yeah, so hard. I, I did enjoy the golf course. It was, <laughs> it was very fair, but it was very tough. <laughs> we, we try not to beat people up. Uh, we get a lot of people wanting to play off the back tees. You know, it's, it's over seven, seven three, uh, seven three oh nine off off the back tees here. You know, it is a it is a slog. Um, so we we don't use them very much in competition. We try and keep them to the pro events that we have here. Um, but if somebody wants to try them, you know, it's it, it is open to people to use. Uh, it's it's one of those stigmas as well. I think people like the thought of it, but actually, in reality, yeah. when they're coming into par fours with a three wood, they soon realise that they're they're a bit out of their depth. <laughs> That's it. Oh, brilliant. Ben, thanks ever so much for coming on. Really enjoyed our, our chat and um, I, can, I can definitely see myself picking your brains about uh, golf courses in Australia going forwards. Um, Do. I, I love that story. That, was, that would be something that I wish I could have done. Well, that would probably be 25 years ago now. But uh, hopefully I won't, at some point I'll get up to, out to Australia and uh, get to enjoy those courses that I'm sure that you just love doing. So that was, that, was, that was fantastic. No problem, Duncan. Well, great to talk to you. And uh, I hope to see you soon. Yeah, look forward to... Yeah, excellent, Ben. Thanks ever so much for coming on. That's all right. No pleasure. Thanks, Duncan. Cheers. Bye. Bye.